Unless otherwise stated, the material discussed is opinion only and is not intended to be relied upon in any manner as legal, tax, investment advice, or recommendation. The information discussed does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase securities in any state or jurisdiction. Welcome to WMRE's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at WMRE. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Let's get into this week's topic. What's going on, David? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. So we have a guest today, right? That's right. Yes. Uh, This is going to be... If folks listen to our last podcast, we talked a little bit about alternatives research that we did, and this is a continuation of that. Uh, We're bringing in another one of our uh, partners on that, which is a foreign investment group, and I have with me Jay Miller. So, hey, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Hey, David. Great to speak with you again. Yeah. So before we get going, um, if you could just take a minute to talk about Forum and, you know, maybe your background a little bit, and then we can dive into talking a little bit about the alt space. Thanks, David. Yes, Forum is a multifamily focused real estate investment manager. We invest in the U.S. only across the U.S. And what Forum endeavors to do is provide opportunities for its investors to invest in multifamily in a number of ways. Uh, We're a developer. Uh, We have uh, equity investment offerings. We also have debt investment offerings, both public and private. And so it really provides our investors to access multifamily as a real estate investment class up and down the capital stack, as we call it, from, uh, if you will, will, the bottom, which is investing in land for development, versus equity in stabilized property on up through making loans to other multifamily owners and developers. And then finally, investing in publicly traded debt through commercial mortgage-backed securities or CMBS. Yeah, and that last piece there is is part of the reason why we did this research to get a sense of what some of the interest might be in alternatives. Um, from some of these uh, investor classes. And so would, I think that from what we saw in the surveys that there's growing use and growing interest in alternatives. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about that. Sure. And I've been in the, the real estate space, which is a, a part of alternatives for more than 20 years. I've been an investment manager and before that been an intermediary myself as a broker and an attorney. So I've seen a lot of changes in this space. And one of them is the interest, the availability of real estate as an alternative investment to more types of investors, uh, more less of the institutional investor and more of the average investor. And as they become more available through a lot of the fund product vehicles that are out there today, there has been a corresponding interest in real estate among other alternative investments as an opportunity for investors to take advantage of opportunities that have really been limited to institutional investors to date. And how how do you see that helping from the advisor's side? So what advisors can do is 
opportunities available. They are, while it is far easier, it's far easier, the access is better for average investors to get into alternative investment, which are really, if I take a step back, alternative investments by and large are private investments. And mm-hmm, typically mm-hmm. your most investors, number one private investment is their home. And, uh, and it's very similar in that, in, in that is, you know what buying a home is like, it's a very arduous process. It takes a lot of time. Advisors and their intermediaries can, can help their investment community by doing some of that work, by bringing, by understanding the uh, investment manager universe and making those opportunities available to their investors. So as the advisors get to know more of the managers, then that is really a unique value that advisors can bring to their clients, in particularly in the alternative space. Right. And it's a way of giving access to, I mean, I think a lot for, I think what we found was something around like 60% of the folks that we surveyed are currently offering, you know, currently working in the alt space. So, you know, more than half advisors have some exposure to it, but it was, I think, you know, only a portion of their clients. And then, and then there was, you know, some variability around how, what percentage of their portfolios were going in. But I think one of the things that we captured within that was that for the folks that were doing it, they, they, they predicted that there would be an increasing use of alts going forward. And they pointed to some ways that it did help their business, which I think aligns with some of the stuff that you just talked about. There's no doubt about it. It typically the average investor actually invests in markets stocks and bonds. And, and that's been the, the, the business of the advisor uh, intermediaries of all kinds for many, many years. And that's primarily because it was just very difficult to access private investments. Mm-hmm. As there are more vehicles to access private investments, then advisors can make that available. And it's a, it's a form of diversification. One a very, very important part uh, that alternatives give to investors is a reduced volatility. Public markets are subject to public markets events and can go up and down on a daily basis. Private markets in general have less volatility and they access asset classes that uh, that reflect that volatility as well. Real estate is a great example of the real estate markets while they do change in value the volatility in private real estate investing is really not reflected in the alternative investment class. Uh, an easy way to compare is, is just the difference between publicly investing in real estate through publicly created REITs and private investing mm-hmm. in real estate through the fund models. Right. And I think there's a pretty decent spread between those two right now because public REITs have fallen and maybe arguably too much, too far. Um, whereas the private real estate indexes haven't reflected that same kind of decline that that we've seen on some That's, of the public read indexes. You're right about that, of course. And I and I've heard you discuss this on your podcast with other guests. It is it's a concept that can be difficult for investors to understand. And the way I like to think about it is 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 the public markets really never reflect what private market values are. They're always higher or lower. And that's because 
the public markets reflect the activity of traders that mm -hmm. are really attempting to create an arbitrage one way or the other. And it's almost by definition not reflective of what the state of the current market is. It's a reflection of where the investment community is speculating that the market is headed. And um, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, but they're always they're always off target. And mm -hmm. we see if you uh, the way I think about it graphically is that if you look at private real estate performance on a chart with public real estate performance overlaid on it, you see uh, a straight line trending upward as it moves to the right, and then you see a line that that goes back and forth, up and down across the, the straight line. That, that's the public market volatility mm -hmm. showing through. They both, in general, move in the same direction, but one involves much more volatility than the other. Interesting. So, yeah, so it seems like one one benefit of, of potential benefit of private is being exposed to somewhat less volatility. For sure. It's a way to access a, a private real estate investment as a way to access real estate on a um, on a per share basis without uh, being subjecting your portfolio to the volatility that's reflected in the public markets. So another thing that we, um, I guess we're trying to understand with this is if there is being an allocation that's being made to alternatives, where is that coming from? Is it from a reduction on, if we're, if we're talking about the typical 60-40 portfolio, if they're changing it to include some portion of private, how is how is that changing or how is how are they just how are they deciding how to do that allocation it's a great question david because many advisors and investors have a specific answer for it and and i'm going to give you a it, it depends kind of an answer which is much less satisfying but those are the <laughs> facts and that is right. that is that a there are alternative investment funds that are designed to produce income on a regular basis much like a bond portfolio would do. And uh, the manager of that fund will tell investors that this fund is designed to produce income. Forum has a couple of funds that do that. And they are, they are income oriented. And income oriented means that you're getting part of your return in, in an income, a regular payout, like a dividend, but you're also getting part of your return in appreciation in that the share price goes up as you're getting some of the return paid out to you along the way. Other products are appreciation oriented. And uh, we have products like that as well, where it's the product is not designed to pay a regular income, but it is designed for 100% of the, of the return to be in appreciation. So that would be much more like an equity investment, you know, a small stock investment where you're not buying it for the dividend, you're buying it for total return. So it really depends where uh, an investor is looking. Are they looking to uh, take uh, more appreciation risk, or are they willing, or are they interested in taking uh, in in an income replacement? We find that the majority of investors will focus on real estate as an income replacement, and uh, so it, it's a, it, it can be a fixed income replacement. But there are many opportunities, and in fact, I think sometimes the way investors find themselves in uh, alternative investing, whether it's investing in a company or in real estate, they're usually doing it on a friends and family basis. And in those cases, right. they rarely involve uh, a current pay. It's more about uh, what's it, where is it all gonna turn out? And so more of an appreciation-oriented investment. 
And what do you think some of the hurdles are for advisors in considering using alternatives? So advisors, it's really a alternative investing are still very manager driven in that there are asset classes uh, for sure that an advisor might have an interest in because of uh, macro uh, economic uh, trends. Uh, There might be a specific area that the advisor has knowledge in. But in the alternatives world, picking a manager is very important. And so advisors advisors can be challenged with getting to know managers. It's certainly easier than it was. As we all live in the information age, a variety of information is more available, including uh, who the managers are in the various investment spaces. But it's definitely, that is the challenge for advisors to get to know a manager because it's a, as I said, it's a manager-driven product, but also there's the the managers will have uh, kind of their own investment thesis, their own personality, and an advisor should be building a relationship with that manager and that company, and so it's just important for the advisor to take the time to get to know those managers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like a pretty big task to try to like dip your toe into the alt universe and begin to vet all the different managers. So, but but you think it's, it's getting easier to do that? Or are there tools that help advisors look at different managers? There's no doubt. There are, uh, there's of course, trade associations that aggregate managers. There's more performance data out there. There are podcasts like yours that introduce uh, advisors to managers. And uh, the, 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 one of the benefits for the advisor is that there's a payoff for this work in that an advisor can distinguish themselves uh, among their competition by their connections with, with successful managers. And so the work, um, it's, it's, it's good work in that it makes the advisor's business a better business, a more differentiated business with the lineup of managers they can bring to their clients as already vetted by the advisor themselves it's 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 a lot more it's a be, it's a more compelling story than say offering a series of public you know, public products index funds or etfs uh, knowing a, an alt manager well is a a real gift that an advisor can bring to their investors and their prospects now i think one of the other or one of the big concerns I feel like I hear a lot or or maybe obstacle is the liquidity question. Because, you know, if you're tapping into alternatives, you're going to be likely giving up some liquidity to do it. So how do you how do you respond to that particular aspect of it? I couldn't agree more. And I'll layer one more on top of it, which is transparency. Uh, because mm-hmm. it, it is the, the best way to know what's going on with your investment is to get a check on a regular basis. And that'll tell you the checks, you know, that that's a first indication. That's a regular connection with your manager. And so uh, the transparency in reporting is one of the very first things I would be looking at, at with a manager, understanding what the report, how, what the period of reporting is, what the reporting looks like. Uh, what the communication level with the manager is, and then behind that, it takes some of the uh, takes some of the concern maybe out of liquidity or lack thereof. There are investments that are not designed to be liquid, and if they were liquid, they wouldn't perform the way they're supposed to. 
And that's fine as long as the investor is getting the information they need at the cadence they need. So I, I think reporting is the first question. Once you have determined that what the liquidity level is expected to be and that you can check on it regularly, there should be a premium. Uh, if, if it is that same question with uh, stocks versus bonds or stocks that pay a dividend, like a bond pays an income, that's a regular check-in on how that product is doing. And if you're not getting that, then your total return should have a benefit. So I think it's important to for an advisor to ask a manager and be able to explain their, to their investor, what is the premium I'm getting for allowing my money to be locked up for some period of time? So then pivoting back to, to your business, can you talk a bit more about some of the you know, major trends that you're seeing and um, from, from, from where your seat is? Sure. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that we at Forum offer so many different kinds of investments within the uh, multifamily space is because the opportunity changes. And we're in a, we're in a time right now where uh, the opportunity is better in some parts of investing in multifamily than others. One thing that is consistent right now is that the multifamily as an asset class is, is, is very healthy. The, the demand for apartments by renters is extremely strong. Uh, it is getting harder and harder to buy a home, and that creates more renters. There has been a uh, material amount of new uh, apartment construction in many markets across the country, and that has definitely put rent growth on a pause, much to the relief, I'm sure, of many renters out there. But it's, it's temporary, and uh, we expect it to return here by the end of the year and, uh, and on into next year as, uh, as the market absorbs the new supply that's out there. So what does that mean in terms of where the opportunity is? With rent growth pausing for the moment, that makes the equity investment opportunity in, in uh, multifamily not quite as strong as the debt investment opportunity. So making loans to the builders and owners of multifamily uh, can be more creative right now than uh, investing in equity or being a developer ourselves. So our products that are that make those kinds of investments, make loans to apartment owners and developers, are, are really um, having their moment right now uh, when the Federal Reserve increases rates at the rate they have been. Uh, it makes it makes uh, loans more expensive, which means the returns are better when you make loans. And it has not come along with a decrease in credit. So it's a really mm -hmm. credit being the quality of multifamily as an investment. So it's really been a great opportunity. So on a risk adjusted basis, meaning you're getting a higher return for taking the same amount of risk in the uh, private credit space. So it's a really unique opportunity, and that's where we're finding uh, our investors taking a lot of interest. And it seems like there's could be opportunity as well with maybe other lender types that have been active in this space pulling back a little bit, you know, just because of things that they may have to deal with. It creates opportunities for for lenders like your, the funds that, well, that you're doing. There's no doubt. It's a great point that one of the reasons, you know, on top of uh, interest rates just being naturally high, 
there's also a competitive advantage in that as the, the, the large global banks and the regional banks have been having their challenges, uh, they are not lending as much. They're just not as available. And to the extent they are making loans, they're making smaller loans. Uh, one of the, uh, you know, one of the things Forum does is it makes a loan that's really a piece of the capital stack. A, a developer, for example, might get a loan up to 55% of the cost of the project, uh, but they'd really like to have a loan up to 70% of the cost. Uh, the difference in that space is is a loan uh, that's a um, that is uh, a forum product that makes that kind of a loan, and it's a it's a business. You know, this they call it mezzanine loan. Uh, mm-hmm. Mezzanine being sort of the level above the primary level. Uh, that is uh, that space is very lucrative right now because the the um, uh, sponsors, the borrowers, are uh, paying a uniquely high interest rate for that that piece of the the deck the capital stack because you're right the traditional lenders uh, just aren't there in the volume that they have been in the past and how do you deal with any you know so there's like some narratives about commercial real estate which i think are a bit overplayed um you know there's problems in the office sector but then like you see headlines sometimes in the mainstream press about just like you know commercial real estate being this you know shoe that's going to drop and I could see that making some people who aren't in the space, you know, aren't um, in the space on a day-to-day basis, maybe being nervous about it. So do you have, do you have conversations like that where you have to kind of like tell people what, you know, I mean, the fundamentals of multifamily are very different than, than office, for example. So like those kind of conversations just about where we are in the real estate business at this moment. It's true. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's a point that it's easy to see from our seat as, as multifamily experts, but it's really hard to see as a, as a, um, a, a sort of non-professional investor. And one of the things that I get to do that I enjoy the most in my job is speaking to our investors. And, and in fact, I was speaking to a group last night and you're right, uh, real estate is real estate and, and for a lot of people. And I think as an advisor is thinking about um, you know, offering real estate products to their investors, they have to be prepared for that kind of comment. And you're right, it, it takes a little bit of differentiation. The the office real estate investment market is very, very different, different dynamics than industrial, which is different from multifamily, mm-hmm. which is different from retail. And, and it doesn't take long to break down the differences and the different dynamics, but it's definitely a conversation that has to be had and as you mentioned, right now, office is dominating the headlines. Uh, but I'll say that among the professional real estate investor group, um, we have been, uh, to the extent that investors, investment managers have been investing in office in terms of a uh, multi-sector plan, um, they have been reducing their office allocations for many years. So this is the, right. the, the, the problems in office uh, were, were you could see coming long before COVID, much like retail. You know, retail right, kind right. of had its its office moment many years ago, and now office is having its moment. And so right now, really all the, the you know, but you look at the fundamentals in uh, multifamily and uh, to a related extent in industrial, and it's a really totally different story. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when you talk to people, it's like they think that office is like 80% of commercial real estate when it's like more like 15% or something when you look at the real, yeah. It used to be. 
uh, I, I have, yeah. you know, I, in a prior life, I ran a multi-sector portfolio and there was a time when 50, 60% of it was office. Office is expensive. You can put a lot of money into it, but if it's not accretive, you reduce your allocation and you're exactly right. Those sort of, um, you know, market allocation of total real estate dollars to office has trickled down below 20%. Retail's down below 10%. Um, right. it, it's really remarkable how these things move around, but you know, one thing to remember is that, um, they move around, you know, the, they'll, it'll be different later. And, um, as an advisor is talking to a manager, one of the best questions and one of the toughest, honestly, I get is, okay, this is what you're doing now. What are you doing tomorrow? How are you getting ready for tomorrow? What do you do to prepare yourself? tomorrow so that you can explain it to my clients and um and advance you know a, a great manager will have will have a satisfactory answer to that question because markets always change and that's that's one of the reasons that we at forum have chosen to to make sure we can make available different parts of the capital stack available to our investors because as i was just talking about those opportunities change with the markets well i've used up a good chunk of your time so just wanted to see if you had any like you know final closing thoughts for the audience. Uh, I I uh, just like to say, David, that you know as we talked about a little bit, it uh, there's a lot for advisors to know, and um, it, managers should be you know are, are available to to help educate them. And um, this is a growing area, so I think it's it's not a um, for a, you know a, an advisor. Uh, and I'm sure the advisors that are listening already know this, but having a working knowledge of, of alternatives and having a, a portfolio of those products available to investors is really going to be kind of the uh, basic basic set of uh, offerings for advisors going forward. And um, But fortunately, there's more products out there. They're more available. There's just a lot to know. So I appreciate the time, David. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WMRE or Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.